0: All right, welcome to the No Fear Podcast. I have a very special, unique guest today, and it is my business partner, Jeremy Reinders. And so a lot of his story after a certain point is my story, so this should be an easy one or a hard one. Uh, One thing I do know is I have a very hard time looking him in the eye, so this is going to be really creepy because we're across the desk from each other in a closed room, so... Jeremy, do you want to give us a quick introduction to yourself after that fun intro?
1: Yeah, I'm Jeremy Reinders and as Scott alluded to, we've been business partners since what, 2012-ish, I want to say? Yeah. I don't even think we celebrated our 10-year anniversary now that Uh, I say that. Um, It feels like 40. I feel like you should have gave me something made of silver or or (laughs) wood or something, whatever the 10-year anniversary (laughs) thing is, but um, yeah, let's get started.
0: All right, cool, so what? I know you weren't in real estate your whole life, you didn't ask to be a realtor when you were five years old and and whatnot, so where did your professional journey begin?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it's funny you say that about five years old because I do remember when my parents sold their one house in about 1992-ish, three-ish, so I'd have been about 13 years old, I do remember the realtor coming over and just being impressed by his car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I did, you know, it was kind of my first thing with realtors. I always noticed they had nice vehicles and I like nice cars. So that always stuck into my head as a child. Um, but anyway, then, uh, I did take a very unconventional path to real estate. Um, although I think most realtors could probably say that. And, uh, I moved out to Arizona, uh, when I was like 1920 ish. My parents sold everything. Uh, literally, loaded everything up in a couple of U-hauls, and we all moved out to Arizona to own and operate a dude ranch. And we did that from uh, the year like two thousand through two thousand eight, and then I moved back to um, the Milwaukee metro area in June of two thousand eight, and I got a job at a hotel, and uh, that was just a natural thing. Like the dude ranch, when you get down to it, is a resort, so. Getting into hotel management was about the only thing I could get myself uh, into because my resume literally said worked at a dude ranch, um, and that was it. You know, there wasn't a lot of jobs at that time that would qualify me for. So, didn't have a co- don't have a college degree either, so that didn't help. When every resume said you know must have a B- bachelor's to apply,
0: you have BS, just not a bachelor yeah, of exactly. science. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, So when I moved back, I did work at the hotel right up the road, ironically, um, on Moreland. At the time, it was Brookfield Suites, um, priorly, and now, again, Embassy Suites. And I worked there for about six months. Um, I had a very overbearing general manager. He was really nice to me, but mean to a lot of other people. And uh, I quickly realized I was, one, in over my head, two, being manipulated and used as, like, a pawn by him. He had ran the place his whole life and just kind of like used the person in my position as like a scapegoat for stuff. And it, it just became like really annoying. Pia's a, re- a revolving door of employees and um, I quickly found myself, I went from being very happy because I was just going to make $45,000 a year, which to me, after working for my family at a dude ranch for basically nothing, and making 45000 in a real job, that was actually pretty cool to me and I was excited about it. Um, But then quickly learned that I didn't like it and didn't want to do hotel management. Uh, Didn't want to have a boss. I would worked for my family or myself my whole life, and now all of a sudden had a boss to report to. So in January, uh, I think it was 10th of 2009, uh, right as the markets were crashing, (laughs) if you remember, like, uh, the whole world was literally like, that's when... uh, Lehman Brothers or Lehman Brothers and uh, like all the big, like just everything crashed. I got fed up with my boss and I quit. (laughs) And um, my mom had a vacation booked to Hawaii for a week. She rented a house. She's paying for everything. And uh, my boss wasn't going to let me go. So I said, all right, I'm quitting and I'm going on the trip. I'll figure it out later. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I'm sitting there after the trip, trying to figure out what I'm gonna do and apply. And again, the same thing happened. I mean, it was only six to eight months later, like I couldn't really apply for a lot of jobs. I had a six month hotel job history and uh, dude ranch. So I found a, a nice little face, or I'm sorry, a Craigslist ad about becoming a realtor. And I'm very entrepreneurial. I always wanted to work for myself our good friends out in Arizona that helped us buy the land for the ranch were realtors. I started getting into real estate photography with them, taking pictures of their listings. So it was just kind of a nice, like just natural thing for me to think about doing. And I was like, well, if I'm ever going to do it, why wouldn't I do it now while I'm out of a job? And I have a a newborn, I have a house payments and I had to do something. So it was uh, like, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to work for myself. I'm like, I want a job that if I work harder and smarter than somebody else, then I'm going to make more money because of it. Not just get an attaboy or a pat on the back or a gold watch or whatever. So um, that was it. Like I, w- I got into real estate with my only goal in mind was to make 45000 Like if I can make the same amount of money that my hotel job, I'll be happy. And that was like as simple as I was thinking at the time.
0: That's cool. So that's, there's a couple of questions I want to unpack there, but uh, it's, one One thing people don't realize is if you can fog a mirror, you can pretty much join like most real estate companies, so yeah, I remember we, how
1: nervous <laughs> I was being like quote unquote interviewed yeah. for a position of sales at the local Shore West office and uh, <laughs> yeah, in hindsight, it was kind of funny thinking back how I was going to get hired, no matter what because I was living and breathing
0: yeah me too i was I was so nervous to go to that interview so if 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 real estate is ever appealing to you, the a great part about it is the, it's easy to get into and a really bad part about it is really easy to get into because you have to work with all types uh, so fortunately or unfortunately we're judged by like the worst of, of our profession so it's like oh I know cousin Eddie he's a realtor so you must be like cousin Eddie it's like no no we're not all the same I promise <laughs> when you how old were you when you went out to the dude ranch was that right out, out of high school it was, I
1: was 19. So I would, I had done two years at WCTC. So I do technically have an, uh, an associate degree in accounting from WCTC. Oh, I had no idea about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, you should do our p then. <laughs> uh,
1: so that was it. And uh, right after that, we moved, like, I literally knew the last couple months of that. I was moving to Arizona anyway. So um, it didn't really matter. And uh, yeah, it, it was, I was young. My parents made a decision. They were going to do it. They asked us if we were in or not we had a choice to do it or say yes or no and I was like well why wouldn't I sounds amazing like who who else really gets the opportunity to do that so I'm going to take them up on that opportunity and if I don't want to do it a year or two or three later I'll I'll change my mind but in the meantime I'm going to go out and try and uh, help them and and make it work and live and experience something that really nobody else gets to ever do.
0: Cool so it was a pretty was it a pretty easy decision like you didn't have a lot of did you have any doubts or fears or anything associated to it, or was it um, kind of that simple?
1: It was pretty easy. I mean, thinking back about it, I think it probably should have been. Uh, there should have been more fear or more hesitation around it. But like I said, like, it just seems like, why wouldn't I do that? I mean, why think? Why overthink it? You know, <laughs> Just go to Arizona and live with your mom, dad, sisters, my girlfriend at the time. My uh, uncle was following us out there. He's my favorite uncle. Um, my grandma and grandpa were coming with. Um, like, it just seemed like a really fun experience. And you get to live out in the middle of the desert and and start this really awesome business. So, yeah, it was kind of an easy yes. Cool.
0: That would be a fun interview of your parents, yeah. to that decision of doing that. But what were some, just the real quick rundown of your tasks or your daily, like, what did you do there each day for work?
1: Uh, yeah. So, when we were in operation, which was uh, basically 11 months of the year or give or take. We were 24-7. Uh, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean, we got to sleep. But we, we lived on the ranch. So my house was, let's say, 1,000, 2,000 feet from the common buildings where we worked a lot. So when we woke up, we basically went right into the kitchen, got breakfast ready. We served our guests three meals a day, and they went on two horseback rides a day. And at nighttime, we typically did some sort of entertainment Um, and us being like the family that's hosting it we were all like expected to engage and talk and uh, like entertain and have conversations with the guests so like our motto was you come as guests and leave feeling like family and that was like a bold law we say now is people grow into the conversations that you create around them that was the expectation that we put out there in every single piece of marketing we did and conversation we had with them. So when they came there, they expected to feel like family. So when they arrived, we had to make them feel like family. Yeah. So that was a big deal for us. And uh, we were very good at, at doing it for the most part. Um, so my point is like we were always on, even if we weren't working, we're sitting in the office, they could pop in and ask us a question anytime. Even if we weren't technically working, um, we said to make sure all the buildings were clean or the horses were fed or, you know, we had people that would do some of those things, but um, you know any, any given day somebody would be sick or, or whatever like we were always doing something. So we either prepping a meal cleaning up after a meal organizing the next ride Cleaning the rooms every time somebody checked out we had to clean all the rooms So we did all those menial tasks that um, you'd be used to hotel staff doing from cooking cleaning housekeeping uh, Everything so cool. Yeah.
0: Did you wear a hat? Were you wearing a cowboy hat every day?
1: No, I didn't wear a cowboy hat a lot. Uh, <laughs> I did wear a baseball. I want to see that cap with logo. <laughs> I definitely had. I went through a stage where I did take out rides for a while because we were down a Wrangler or two, and I wore a, um, a holster with my six shooter on the side. <laughs> I had a cowboy hat, and uh, I did did do that whole <laughs> get up. For a while, but most for the most part, I wore a baseball cap and shockingly a polo.
0: Yeah, we uh that could be a good picture for our realtor ma- males in real estate calendar. You and yeah, <laughs> as a twenty year old and your with your six shooter in Cowboy <laughs> Hat. Uh, so you got into real estate, and you made it sound a pretty easy decision, which is probably a, a, a theme. But like, what what did your family say, or what did? What were other conversations around getting into real estate? Because you don't have a salary. You only get paid when you close a deal.
1: Yeah, my family was very supportive. I mean, they are in general, so they knew I was uh, entrepreneurial. Um, like I'd proven that like while I was at the ranch and even before the ranch in high school, I created this mar- little marketing company, advertising company where I had sold placemat advertising. I mean, to uh, local restaurants. My parents went on vacation one time, so it was just my grandma and I, and they came home and I had this whole envelope full of checks because I ran around to all these businesses and charged them $300 to put ads on this placemat that I had come up with. Um, so I did that in high school. And, like diff- I had done different things like that. So they they were like pretty comfortable with my decision and um, they had a lot of trust in me and I didn't really get a lot of pushback. And luckily, I guess in, in a way, I didn't have a lot of other choices. There was literally nobody hiring in January, February, March, April of 2009. Yeah, like, It was one of the worst times to get a job probably in our recent history. So in a good way, I was like funneled to something uh, entrepreneurial. And that like I was lucky enough to come across that ad and, and go for it.
0: Okay. And what was your what was the launch of real estate like for you? What, how was your how was your career started?
1: Um it was a little slow in the beginning. I had, I think, only six or seven closings in my first year, which was like April through December. So it wasn't a lot. I think I have a, uh, a 1099 or, you know, the stub that you get at the end of the year. It was like 7,000, I want to say.
0: Is that gross or not?
1: Gross, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it wasn't seven, I think it was 7,000. I don't think it was 17. I think it was seven. So it was not good. Um, <laughs> one of my my second listing ever was my own house because you run out of houses quick to list. If that's the case. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, frankly, like I bought my house. I was one of those people that shouldn't have been able to buy a house. I bought it remotely from Arizona to move back to and um, got approved, whatever. So like when I got back, I really couldn't afford it and it became pretty obvious that like I wasn't going to make enough to, to pay for it. So I was like, well, let's sell the house and get a rental. So sold the house as my second listing, like I said. Moved into an apartment. I sold my $10,000 car and bought a $1,500 car instead. And like just downsized everything, because we had to. Like I had literally almost no money. Mm-hmm. And I was used to, at the ranch, like having five ten thousand 10000 in savings, let's say. And that seemed like a lot, like in a, in a kid-like way. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, it just did, because like we didn't make a lot. We basically worked for room and board. So we'd make tips, or we—I do a lot of quad rides, ATB rides into the mountains, and I would get some of the cash from that sometimes. So I like had saved up this like menial amount of money, but it seemed like a lot to me, not knowing like in real life how much more you do need. And that sounds dumb, but it's just the way it was. Um, so like it became real obvious that I had to sell everything, so I did. You know that's what I. So that was a really tough time to go from probably June, July-ish of my first year in real estate to selling my house, moving into a rental, and then luckily after that, like going into the next year, things really started to take off. I mean, I have a good sphere of influence. My parents have a lot of great friends, family. It was right during the Obama $8,000 homebuyer credit that people got when they bought a house, so that helped a lot. And just kept, like, things just started dominoing. All of a sudden, I had, like, 10, 15 properties under contract at one time. And I remember mentioning it to Alan Roth at the office. And he's, like, he looked at me like I was crazy. And he's, like, because, like, he's, like, how are you doing? I'm, like, I think I got, like, 10 or ten or 11 under contract right now or something. And uh, he thought that was, like, I was, like, lying or, like, I didn't know what I was <laughs> Like, multiplying about, by but, three. Yeah.
0: Like, right, yeah.
1: yeah. And I just remember kind of thinking, like, oh, that must – that must seem like that's he seemed like that was a lot. And that was a guy that we looked up to as like a big producer. Yeah, in the, the number office, one in the so, office.
0: Yeah. I remember you telling a story about selling the guitar. Yeah. What can you just elaborate on that? Or did that have like more meaning than than the other stuff or
1: um well it's I think what you're referring to is the repurchasing of the guitar. Well, yeah. Because I had during the time I was selling my house, I started selling some personal property stuff too. And when I was out in Arizona at the ranch, I was going to, um, I made a go at trying to learn to play the guitar because we needed entertainment <laughs> and we had some, I wish good, I could go back in time. We had some musicians there that, you know, come once or twice a week and play and it was just intrigued me. I, I just r- really wanted to know how to play. So I bought this really nice Taylor guitar and it didn't quite work out. I ended up playing joy to the world one time and, and happy birthday, like, maybe two or three times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and i could play the intro to this one brad paisley song which is pretty cool but uh that was it uh, i peeked at that and so when i moved back i sold it for like 300 bucks i think i bought it for 700 ish sold it for 300 which is you know not a good deal obviously but it was it was uh symbolic so about maybe three or four years ago i rebought a taylor guitar and, like, used it as a symbol of, like, hey, don't go broke again to the point where you have to sell this for half price. Yeah. So, it was, I just rebought it as a symbol or as a reminder. Okay. Yeah.
0: But that first year, like, you, I mean, you were rookie of the year, weren't you? For um, listings taken yeah, or what? Yeah, because
1: at that time, like, I didn't do very well, but nobody else was either. Yeah. So, you know, it was all relative. And... The rookie of the year thing might have been because my first year was the f- only like from April to December. It might have been the following year, or is like a running twelve months. Yeah, it was like starting the, my second year. That's when I really did very well. So it might have that might have been a factor.
0: Well, it's funny because that, my story was very similar. Just about six months later, because my first year, my I, I took my taxes to an a- accountant because I thought. That's what you do as a business owner, you know, I was a teacher, so I took my taxes and and I thought I was so cool, and I believe my my gross was seventeen grand, and my net was like four thousand and so I made four thousand dollars in my first year, and I just thought I never even looked like thought twice about it, I just can't picture what he was thinking and then I was rookie of the year, you know I sold i think. 11 houses or something and and so it was interesting because it almost took that award to be like oh maybe I am good at this because there was 100 plus new agents every year at this company it's not like you're rookie out of three people rookie of the year out of three people so that was that was interesting and then the second year everything just blew up
1: it also shows you how tough the first year is it's like we were both rookie of the year we didn't really even do very well yeah imagine how bad everybody else was doing
0: yeah So, all right. Then what was your first uh, impression of me? I know you were there for like six months.
1: Well, that's an easy question to answer because I definitely remember that. And uh, so I was in the middle bank of cubicles and um, I had a, a lady next to me named Molly who's still in real estate and a few other people that are still in real estate with us were there too. But I remember Molly like we we had seen you around a couple of times, maybe just for a little bit, and in this day you were like, you're like okay, like he like Scott was really going to get his spot in the office, like he was taking a cubicle, and I remember our uh, sales manager manager at the time, his name was Scott Allen. He brought you over and he showed you the the cubicle that you were going to take, and you know you're obviously for those that don't know tall, you're <laughs> like six eight six nine, and he sat down and he was like. Way too small for it. He was asking Scott Allen if he could move the desk higher, like. And Scott <laughs> Allen was like, I, "Like you guys are going back and forth about like I don't know if it's really possible, whatever." And I, I just remember whatever you guys were saying, Molly and I looked at each other and were like, "Wow, like that guy's a big doofus. He's <laughs> not gonna make it in real estate at all. He'll be just another one of the people who's in and out of here." And, uh, yeah, we just thought you were a big doofus in the, in the end, to make a long story short.
0: <laughs> oh, great. First impressions are awesome. Yeah. So you, you went a couple of years and then I guess what, I know the answer to this, obviously, but like what led to the partner, what led to then wanting to like partner up and start at the time, New Berlin real estate team?
1: Yeah. So if we go back to fall of like, I guess all of 2011 ish, um, I know we were both in our, like, let's say, second, third year-ish, and uh, real estate was really humming for both of us. We were doing well, we had a lot of clients, we were one-man bands, we were running around town all over the place, and uh, it was, of course, exciting and awesome at first, but at some point you it know, becomes a little bit old and, and tiring and, and wears you down. Um, the amount of time and energy it takes to, to be successful as a one-man operation. In this business so we started talking about teaming up and within that not just teaming up to share expenses but to uh, like basically restrict ourselves location wise and we're like we both lived in New Berlin so we're like well why not only try to focus on New Berlin and work in New Berlin so anytime we have an appointment it's only 10-15 minutes away at the most and that's where the whole like New Berlin real estate team idea started like where it made total sense to us and we would probably talk ourselves into it still making sense <laughs> um we're like well why not like we can just you had just gotten done teaching at new berlin i grew up in new berlin you had lived there for many years you had family there like it just made a lot of sense to just focus on it and, and try to quote unquote dominate that area as i'm sure we talked ourselves into that we would do
0: yeah and, <clears throat> and we had all of our marketing and that would go into that into the city, and then we joined the New Berlin Rotary Club, the New Berlin Chamber, moving New Berlin forward. New Berlin Citizens Academy. Um, you're just trying to really just go all in.
1: Yeah, I think at the time too, um, a lady named Rebecca Sprague had just left Shorewest West, our company, and started one, you know, a company that still exists and does very well, Firefly, that only focuses and dominates Wauwatosa. So like she had just done that in Tosa, and we're like, well, why can't we do that in New Berlin? Yeah. So,
0: and I remember the the late night conversations on the phone or at Cleveland Pub, just eating chips and salsa till one or two were the only ones there, and they're mm-hmm. like, can you guys just leave? And we're like, we're planning, we're planning uh, I'm an sure empire. Sure,
1: they thought we were, you know, <laughs> like in fantasy baseball or something. But <laughs> we show up in our backpacks <laughs> and our laptops. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, and so. We, we partner, which was great at the time. It, it didn't solve the problem of us working all the time because it's like you couldn't cover for me and I couldn't really cover for you. So we were very quickly wanting to hire someone, administrative help. What was your recap of that experience, our first hire at ShoreWest?
1: Well, I mean, I'm sure, like, to relate it to your experience with your CPA or when you took your first tax return, like, you felt so cool. Like, oh, we're going to hire somebody, and, you know, we we got this, and uh, we basically put out an ad and got, I don't remember how many applicants we got, but it might have just been the one. I think it was one. (laughs) I know we only interviewed one person. Yeah. I just don't recall if we had more applicants or not. But uh, basically we hired or interviewed one person, and we're both like, yeah, yep. Like let's just hire her. I mean, <laughs> she did have quite a, she did have some good qualifications. Yeah. Um, so it did kind of make sense. I wouldn't totally fault ourselves, but, uh, obviously our lesson now is like, Hey, if you, <laughs> why not interview two, three, four, or a hundred people yeah. if you're trying to get one out of a hundred, you got to interview a hundred, um, not one. Uh, so yeah, we just, that was it. We just hired the first person, went with it. And, uh, our, our whole concept in the beginning was just to share the expense of that and share some marketing mailing costs. And that was it.
0: Yeah. And I just remember like you and I are very different in personality and looks, just kidding. And height, well, but
1: I, I agree with all those yeah.
0: <laughs> and so, uh, I can't imagine what her life was when I would go into her and say, I want this done in, you know, landscape mode. And you'd be like, oh, I want this done in portrait mode. And she's <laughs> like, who the hell do I listen to? You know, yeah, yeah. and just the classic curse of having like two bosses, it just would have to be a nightmare. So yeah, sorry, Sue. <laughs> <laughs> Sue, Sue was great. And we weren't the most experienced. Uh, and it didn't work out after a certain point. Um, And so then we just, I just remember being like, well, we tried that hiring thing, so let's just keep doing it on our own. I don't know if that's how you felt too.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree, yeah.
0: And so for a year or so, I mean, I remember that just being sun up to sun down you're on. You're, you're texting. You're emailing. You're calling. You're you're eating in between appointments. You're you're just kind of running late to everything. You're dropping the ball. You're you're trying to keep everything in the air as best as possible. But, I mean, you were doing. You did two years in a row where you did a hundred deals, by yourself. I yeah. think I peaked out at seventy three, and I, would I was say like
1: eighty two hundred. Like, yeah. Yeah.
0: So the capacity was there. But yeah. what was it life like during that time?
1: Um. I don't remember it necessarily being horrible like I remember being able to manage it somehow I might have like I guess going back to my ranch life um, we worked sun up to sundown so and even beyond that because a lot of times we were entertaining by the campfire till 11 o'clock at night and then you go to bed at midnight and you wake up at 630 and be in the kitchen so um, I wasn't It was just pretty normal to me and I didn't necessarily mind it because like it was borderline fun it was still pretty new Um, it was making good money I I could I was getting my life financial life back on track Uh, so I just I think I had a high tolerance for for putting up with it and making it all work yeah how old are your kids Um, they were like around uh, maybe four and two at the time, or, or three and one even. You yeah. Because I remember you remember my baby shower for the, <laughs> the second child when you didn't get one for your child.
0: The company the throws Jeremy a baby shower for his second baby and they didn't throw me one for my first and not like I'm salty or anything. She's very salty. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So what led you to to think about Keller Williams? it was your idea.
1: Um, yeah so I had even though I was selling so many houses I was still also taking pictures uh, photography like listing photography for some agents including a guy who's in our now our tenant in our building here Michael Barron because uh, he was doing a lot of flips and he, was, he had a small brokerage and I was taking pictures for him for like 50 bucks a listing and uh another lady named Sally Hansen, um, Sally and David Hanson, <laughs> which is embarrassing to even say out loud, but like I mean it just like I was taking pictures for all these different agents sometimes. Um and uh then also like so they they had been with KW, but then also Tom Martin. I was doing an odd deal with him and I remember distinctly, like when I first time I called him, he had on his voicemail uh you know, I'll be answering the phone. I'm in appointments for such such time. I'll be responding to voicemails and this such and such time. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird, um, but I guess it kind of makes sense. And I came to know him a little bit, and he sent me a copy of the MREA book, and um, I just started like doing a little research into KW. And uh, to back up, I guess the reason why is because every time we like we were young, we were had ideas. Uh, every time we try to come up to our current company at the time, Shore West, they would always say no or, you know, no, we can't do that. No, you can't do that. Uh, we'll have to ask management about that. And uh, we just got tired of hearing no, and we we're like, well, we, we need a better solution. So that's, I think, what sparked the intrigue of looking elsewhere is because we were, like, so unhappy or kept hearing no at our current place. Yep.
0: Yeah, and... and what when you mentioned it to me at the time, I didn't think the the company had the best reputation. It, it was very new. Uh, there was a failing market, a, a failing office in the area that's no longer there. And I thought you were crazy at first, but I read into it and I, I realized the million the MREA is a millionaire real estate agent, and that's the book about how to build a team and how to have leverage and how to have a life and not just continue to work all day. I thought of myself as being 80 years old, working 14 hour days, not being able to go on vacation. And and I just, I needed something that would make me money without me physically doing it. And I knew that everywhere in the area didn't teach that. So we had to start it. It's not like a Keller Williams existed. So you, me and Jen Strelka left and we were the three people that yeah, July, worked at
1: July seventh, two thousand fifteen.
0: Yeah, worked at KW, and we didn't have an office, we didn't have anything, but we just, we just left. <laughs> so, when you know, I, what was the, what was, what was going through your head at that time with changes or fears? Because we were pretty, pretty high at at our other company, um, doing well, and we just left it all for a complete unknown
1: yeah i think going through my mind at the time was uh just really excitement and and like looking forward to it i really i think at the time like we had had so much build up to that moment so my any hesitation or worry about it was in the past so i I wasn't like i wasn't worried about it at all
0: cool you yeah call mr cool yeah
1: i have a low i have a high capacity for not worrying um, which can be good or bad, but um, no, I was all I was all 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 in really.
0: Yeah, you are the cool composed one, and I was just the hot freaking mess. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I just I would look, look at how you react to things of like oh maybe I could calm myself down a little bit and and react a little less you know heated and emotionally. <laughs> and you you maybe you were like oh I could add a little spunk to myself once in a while. So that was good. And when we came here, we were going to be minor investors in the company. So that appealed to me because there was some money that would be made off of some other people selling and buying, helping people buy and sell real estate. And then I ended up being the owner operating principal. And this is, I think, when the partnership really shifted because at the time before this, we would go on listing appointments together. You had your own clients, I had my own clients, and then we shared some clients. And now it's like, okay, Scott has this whole other job to launch this office, and how are we going to manage this? So we, at that point, just structured everything 50-50, and it was, I'll build this, which would be more for our future. You go crush sales, which is more for now, so we can fund and like live and eat. Mm-hmm. And then everything just grew from there uh what what is your like looking back at the partnership and everything what what has been your take on it from the start or from you know how it's developed or progressed like what advice would you have if someone was saying hey i'm thinking of partnering up with my buddy to do this um well
1: okay let's start with the end question there okay Uh, I would say for 99% of people that they should, if they think they want to be in partnership with somebody, they should really, I don't know, I guess in the end, like basically try to talk themselves out of it. Yeah. I mean, I think, and we know like from other people, I mean, partnerships are basically not if they're gonna fail but when they're gonna fail and that's just sad but true but it's reality like because our lives are constantly changing and our everybody's you know going in different directions and it's rare for a partnership to really work out long term so if you in the end do decide to do a partnership um, and we were very good at this i think we had a lot of uh, predetermined documentation in place i don't know about on day one but in the first year or two We Mm -hmm. did like soon we didn't wait too long so like a prenup in the way or like a a a game plan or a playbook for if it gets dissolved or if it you know who gets what all the all the expectations like on paper so I think we did a good job of that um but I mean for most people like it's just going to be a very difficult thing I mean uh, you have to be. You have to get along very well. You have to be very, I think, uh, trusting. Very, um, I don't know, like uh, fluid. Uh, you can't like. It's just going to be hard if you have like one person that is super hardcore, rigid, and one person that's not, or both people are, and then they then they uh, clash all the time. Like it's a unique personality types that would actually make this work.
0: Yeah. And when we started it, it was literally to, to share, you know, $5,000 a year in like marketing and maybe hire someone together. And now it's it's developed into owning a building, having a couple market centers, the team, uh, some title, like all these different businesses that we get into. It's just, oh, well, let's just share it 50-50. And the, the biggest stressor for me was we outgrew... The first office we were in that we were renting right by papa murphy 's in New Berlin, and then we bought a building uh, down the road and The building was pretty expensive it 's on the, one of the busiest corners in the city in the county, and there was i mean twelve other tenants in it, so it was something that we could own or occupy but also have a lot of other income coming in but it was in pretty rough shape. we had to put in was it i mean it was over a half a million dollars right between what we contributed as landlords, what Keller Williams contributed, just to get it functional and to get the furniture and to do all that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it was over six hundred, even um, between you know what all of us as partners put into it, and not even just building owners. But uh, yeah, I mean, what happened was like we were one worried about filling that original space we were leasing. Then it quickly changed to, oh my gosh, we are out of room, and now we need to get even more space because it was so successful after a a year or two. And then uh, when we were looking for places to lease, like there really wasn't very many available. And the ones that were, we were like constantly, or not constantly, but like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Like we have to make so many modifications and the landlords didn't always want to work with us on that or just became too like, like why put all that money into it when you only have a five or seven year lease? So. And then this building was sitting here and we're like started doing the math and it just so happened that three spaces on the main floor were all vacant and they all had shared walls and we could combine them and make it work basically perfectly and all the money um, like from a monthly standpoint kind of worked out where it'd be almost cheaper or the same as leasing it from somebody. So it just made a lot of sense. And uh, you know, luckily it was available. The 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 price and the interest rates at the time like made it all possible. And and it still was a, definitely a scary thing to move forward on, but luckily we did it. And um, I mean, it was that was a long like probably two years of buying it and then rehabbing it, and moving in, and
0: yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I pretty much pushed all my chips on the table during this move, meaning. If this went down, I would go down in flames. It yeah. was just like bet the farm,
1: yeah, I mean, probably wasn't quite there, but not far behind, yeah,
0: yeah, um, so and then you so just you naturally took ownership of more of the landlord role of the building, so I didn't have to worry about that. I was running the office, and then another one started, which I didn't necessarily it just. Out of natural growth, people were coming from 20, 30, 40 minutes north. We started another office that way. So we each had our own roles. And what I learned from the beginning is when we would both do all the same thing. Like we would both go on listing appointments. We would both do all the same stuff. It's like, well, if you're going to be in a partnership, leverage each other first. What is my strengths? What are your strengths? Let's not do half of stuff, at least to start. And then when you start adding other people to it, then you can really understand that leverage. So now our roles are very different because we had so many, I mean, this sounds arrogant or whatever it may sound like. We had too many clients to handle ourselves. It was just not possible to do it well. So we we got to have great people on our team with, with that's been with us for a long time, helping working with buyers and working with sellers or the behind-the-scenes stuff that we both manage and, and uh, just have built a, a really complex web of businesses. Yeah. <laughs> so that wasn't a I know, question. all
1: yeah, <laughs> d- that, yeah. Um, I would say, too, going back to the partnership thing, I think you could take everything we did or have done and put, I don't know, you could pick, uh, i would just throwing out a number here, let's say you pick 200 people and you put, you just started like, Putting through a, a simulator different pairs of two people of the two hundred, and I think most of them would, they wouldn't make it to where we got to. Yeah, there would have been a blow up or, you know, arguments or, like, fed up or whatever you want to say. Like whatever the reasoning, there would have been a reason that would have came to fruition.
0: Well, not not to gloss over the fact too is just the I mean not just work related but the personal, what happens in your personal lives and the changes and everything there just compounds everything. So it was uh, kind of a perfect storm with that. And then with COVID and with other stuff that just really, it it definitely put the pressure on everything.
1: Yeah, for sure. And And I think it, to me, it like shines a light on the importance of personalities and people getting along and like the personality of two people in a partnership or however many people in a partnership really, really matters.
0: Yeah, definitely. Trust to me is key. And, and you can be too trustworthy, which could be bad, but if without trust, it's going to be really tough to have something long-term.
1: Yeah, and I would have combined that with grace and, you know, like, like along with trust becomes like you, you're – I don't know like you're just easygoing about some things like you could be t- too easygoing too. yeah And I'm saying not you but people in general because um, like at any given time one of us could have s- felt a certain way and we probably did feel a certain way but like we also had like a certain amount of grace around it and like okay it'll all work out like we're not just worried about this week we're worried about like the next 20 years yeah
0: exactly so what what do you do from an investing standpoint outside the partnership what else do you have going on
1: Um. Yeah, so I started with, uh, after I sold my house and lived in that apartment for uh, over a year, maybe two even, um, I then bought a duplex and uh, moved into that. And then from there, I bought a cottage. And then from there, I, I bought another house, or I did a couple flips in the meantime. And um, then I bought a, a fond of foreclosure that it was, turned out to be basically like a live-in flip. And uh, that served me very well for for many years. And then... in there was a couple of years there where I had so many sales, I was on my own, I was making good money, and um, prices were down, because this is like 2012, 13, 14, 15, when the market had, hadn't had quite rebounded yet, or was like kind of flat. And I, my idea, I forget where I heard it, um, I think it was from this guy, I used to follow this guy called like something around financial freedom blog that he had, and I had, I was Became obsessed with the concept of having enough passive income to pay for your fixed expenses in life so I had a whole spreadsheet around like okay what are my fixed expenses and how can I make up enough passive income so that if I work it's just for like a bonus and in savings and you know retirement all that stuff so I started buying uh, houses um, he had this other idea where you buy a house for each child you have so that by the time they get married or go to college, they'd have enough equity built up where you could sell it or pull money out of it and pay for those big life events. So I did that. Um, I was lucky enough to buy three houses in New Berlin for each kid. And um, so I had those. Uh, A lot of these I have since sold um, to do other things, but including this building and, and KW and that. Um, and I still own a nine-family, which is one commercial tenant and eight residential units. And I own a small group home, which is really just a duplex that the group home is a tenant of. And um, still have a cottage and building another cottage next door to that that'll be an Airbnb with my parents. And uh, I think that's it in this building, of course. But
0: yeah, so you're you're also putting your money where your your mouth is in a sense of telling clients that that is the best place to put it. And and you got a lot going on with yeah. that.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of tenants. So I've been, you know, with a lot of experience in dealing with rentals and dealing with tenants, which is, you know, a whole other animal in this industry.
0: Do you have a property manager for any of them or you do it all? No,
1: we just do it all ourselves. Yeah, it's, it's been manageable enough where we've just done it ourselves, yeah.
0: Cool. So what would be, what's next for you? Where do you see yourself in, I don't know, five years?
1: Um, well, I mean, it's uh, a good question. And, uh, right now, like with the market where it's at and with the businesses where it's at, I think it's, um, like just continuing to do better and in, in like, we got to get all of these businesses, I think like, um, exceeding expectations and, and running at like a higher, more profitable level, you know, before doing a lot else. So it's really, I guess, stabilizing, maintaining, and then working off of that to, to doing even better with what we have now. Um, if new opportunities come and present themselves, great. I mean, we're always looking for investment properties or real estate stuff, um, but like no new offices or no big other distractions are on my docket, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's good to hear. I There's just, there's always been just these big, distractions. I mean, opportunities and also distractions. And I would agree with that, that these, you know, just getting clear on having a narrower focus and going deeper and putting more effort is is a really smart move for us right now. And so that's good to hear. And it's also relieving. You know, we've had so much change and constant change. And since we've known each other, <laughs> that it would be good to just kind Of chill for a
1: little bit, yeah. And my kids are all the age where, like, these are such key years that uh, you know, I want to enjoy them. They're uh, 16 to 7, so the next several years are very important, you know, as a father and family person, too. So,
0: yeah, 16 is wild. You had homecoming the other weekend yeah, or something, Yeah. Or, man, I just that that kind of scares me because we've been in partnership so long, it's yeah, We're getting older, like but three, your, our probably. kids shouldn't be. Yeah,
1: she was probably two or three when you first met her. Like, yeah, that's scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, okay, so is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have?
1: Um, No, I think we covered it. I mean, I wish I had a very clever answer for that, but I don't. <laughs> um, uh, no, I mean, real estate is... Completely changed our lives. Uh, the things that I own now and the experiences I've had—I mean, it. When we do these like new agent orientations, or you see new agents, sometimes I—I've I've made a habit of reminding them and sounding like the old, you know, codger of of the office of like, it really can change your life. I mean, I, thinking back to when I took the the job at or as a as a real estate agent, like all I wanted to do was make forty-five thousand. And then, since then, all the things that I've gotten up to own and and uh, the money I've made the lives the people I've been able to help and the amount of clients we've had and like it's it really can change your life and that sounds cliche but it's true
0: yeah, and people look at people look at others and they see their twentieth domino and they don't realize what happened in their first second and third domino or the The hustle that it took the grind that it took and it's like oh I want to I want to live like that and it's not really how it works I mean there was five years where we just
1: completely
0: hustled and put everything into it so
1: yeah like I said I mean I sold my house and lived in a a bottom apartment and sold my $10,000 car to get a $1,500 car and was selling my guitar for 300 bucks and like I mean those are some real that's some real stuff like yeah. that's not necessarily easy to do. I could have just given up and gotten just tried to get a regular job to tread water with and not sell anything um so and I was like dealing Blackjack for Mr. Blackjack at parties on Saturday nights. I mean I only did it like three times, but I did do it just to try to make an extra hundred bucks. I remember finding a lawnmower that I found on the side of the street that I bought and flipped it for like two hundred dollars profit or something like that mattered you know at the time like just trying to make an extra hundred or two hundred dollars
0: and that's insane i mean the the amount of people that wouldn't do that is is the vast majority so that's i think the biggest key to the whole to the whole story is just willing to completely bet on yourself like that so Mm -hmm. anytime someone asks what does it take to be good in real estate like (laughs) That may be the answer, and that's why so many people do fail in this industry. At, yeah, in you really year. have
1: to believe in yourself and know that you're going to do it and, and then go out and do it. And one thing our coach uh, talks about, and I think it's a pretty common concept, but the whole phrase around action begets action. And, like, if you don't know what to do, like, you just start doing one thing and just start – that'll lead to, like, you wanting to do another thing and another thing and another thing, and you just have to take action.
0: Cool. Love it. Well, thank you if you want to – Learn more every Tuesday. I have another interview with someone that's bet on themselves and push fear aside. So please like, follow, subscribe, comment, uh, everything you can do. And uh, appreciate if you share this with your friends. Take care.